the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. This is the Glenn Beck Program, and it is Monday. I want to talk to you a little bit about the coming inflation that is uh, right around the corner. It looks like the economy is beginning to pick up, and we are flooding the market with dollars. And when people start spending those dollars, that's when inflation hits, and it could be quite bad this time. Now, maybe not, keep your fingers crossed, but eventually it does come. So what do you do to prepare for a collapse of currency or really high inflation? We're gonna begin there in 60 seconds. Let me talk to you a little bit about um, Relief Factor. Relief Factor is uh, is the group of people that that really helped Diane and I get out of pain. Diane lives in California. Uh, a lot of people who are in pain for different reasons in different parts of the body that Relief Factor can't uh, help that pain in your. But um, if you live in California, you might be in pain. Uh, she was one of those active sorts of people like to get up and go exercise. And, you know, I live in California because we can surf and and we can go into the mountains and ski. And I'm like, yeah, I just like looking at both of those things. But uh, she's been spending more and more time in her living room chair because the aches and pains she developed over the years were just getting worse and worse all the time. She finally decided to try Relief Factor. Um, in less than a week, Diane said, less than a week, she was up and out and she walks four to five miles again a day. Sorry about that. Diane got her life back. And so can you. It's Relief Factor at relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. It's relieffactor.com. So the old saying is what goes up must come down uh, and that is with inflation as well as you just keep increasing the money supply uh, the way we have we've we've printed 26 percent more dollars in the last year and introduced them into the system in the last 12 months that no in no other year except 1944 did the United States of America do that. Uh, and there were things to invest in in 1944. Uh, uh, we were we were building uh, the nuclear bombs. We were building airplanes. We were building factories, uh, and we needed to spend the money. That's we, we did it, and then we pulled that money all back in. This kind of uh, the amount of money that we now have in the system, we've never had anything close to this out in the system. And when you print money, it's bad unless there's what's called no velocity. Velocity just means, is that bill being spent? So somebody gets a loan from the bank. They build a factory. Those uh, those dollars that they got from the bank, they pay to mechanics uh, or a contractor. The contractor pays for the the structure and pays the electricians the electricians take that and they buy groceries and then they take some of it and they spend it at a movie theater velocity is how many times has that dollar bill been spent before it goes back to the bank 
We have very low velocity right now, and people are looking for places to put their money. Uh, at least people, I guess, who have just a ton of money, because I don't even understand this new. It sounds to me like a scam, but I wanted to get Jeff Brown on the phone. Hi, Jeff. Good morning, Glenn. Jeff is the uh, founder and chief investment analyst at Brownstone Research and editor of The Bleeding Edge. Uh, he's a, a bigwig in uh, high tech. Tell me what NFTs are. Okay, so uh, NFTs are non-fungible tokens, and probably the simplest place to start is to understand what fungible means, because it's, it's really not a word that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, let's take the U.S. dollar. If you wanted to borrow from me a uh, $100 bill um, and then you wanted to pay me back, you wouldn't have to pay me back with exactly the same $100 bill that I gave you, right? Mm -hmm. um, a $100 bill is equal to a $100 bill. They're completely fungible. They're interchangeable. They're even divisible. And so that's the concept of uh, fungibility. A non-fungible object <clears throat> is uh, something that um, isn't divisible and can't be exchanged for just something else. Uh, a simple example would be uh, your website, glenbeck.com or theblaze.com. Uh, these are actually uh, non-fungible assets. They're not interchangeable with another website at all. So if uh, uh, so, you own it. so like a stamp would be fungible, but a collector stamp with the upside down airplane, that's non-fungible. As long as there's only one of them. Okay. And that's the, that's the nuance. Okay. So NFTs, non-fungible non tokens, every single token is unique in its own right. There's nothing else like it, nor, nor can there be. And so let me give you the start of this story, and you explain this. Mm. Uh, October 2020, just a few months ago. Miami-based art collector Pablo Rodriguez uh, Frail spent almost $67,000 online on a 10-second video artwork that he could have watched for free online. Last week, he sold it for $6.6 .6 million. That sounds crazy. Can you... <laughs> and, it, and it is? It is crazy. Okay. <laughs> but, but it's only crazy when um, we kind of... Uh, um, get uh, sucked into the concept of, okay, this was a digital piece of art. But um, if we think about the value of, uh, of Picasso, um, those have sold for $6.6 .6 million. And uh, what's happening right now in the non-fungible token space, the, the most popular areas of non-fungible uh, non tokens right now are in collectibles. For example, um, NBA basketball, uh, kind of like trading cards. Mm -hmm. uh, we have artwork, digital artwork, which can be uh, static. So just an image or video clips are, are very popular. And uh, if we kind of understand that in 20, 2020 was a breakout year, it's really when uh, the concept of NFTs um, became very well known in, in the technology industry. About two, a quarter of a billion dollars worth of transactions took place last year. But we're going to have a multi-billion dollar year this year. And it's because people see the, the art and collectibles industry um, shifting from physical objects, physical goods, 
to uh, digital assets, um, and each one being unique and individual and rare. Okay, so wait a minute. I can understand if it's an artwork, because then you would buy the rights to print it and sell it, right? And you can. That's precisely the point. Okay. Uh, Pablo then, bought the rights to that piece of art, right. and he could sell it okay. for $6.6 because $6 it was a one-of-a-kind. So then tell me exactly what uh, you, you would be buying a clip online of, like, sports, because... I understand that people are buying the NBA is into this. Are they, are they yes. selling the clips of sports games? And uh, could you not just get that online or would, would that clip of that game belong to you? And if NBC wanted to play it, they would have to pay you for it. That's right. So, I mean, the NBA has been incredibly progressive Again, last year, um, there was only a quarter of a billion dollars worth of revenue. To date, uh, NBA Top Shot has is literally had the highest level of transaction volume, um, more than $300 million. Uh, Very uh, unusual that you'd have kind of a legacy industry like NBA being very aggressive in a very progressive space and monetizing their assets. And so they can carve out... You know, we can imagine how many um, hundreds of thousands of hours of video that they have the digital rights to. They can cut these things up and carve them up and create interactive trading cards, each and every one of which is, uh, is a one of a kind and confer the rights contractually onto a blockchain. Uh, it's like transferring of intellectual property or a patent to anyone that buys it and then they own it. And you're, you're exactly right. The owner of the, um, of the trading card or the clip um, could license it out uh, on a one-off basis, on a continuous basis, or they can just sell it to, uh, to another, um, another individual who's willing to pay more for the asset. So does this sound to you a little like pets.com? Uh, you know, it, it doesn't, and, and I'll tell you why, because it's, it's inevitable, especially as I look at um, uh, kids that are growing up today, um, but really um, kids as young as eight, um, all the way up to people in their 20s and 30s, they just don't value physical assets the same way that they value digital assets. Hmm. And if we think about even uh, video games, most people don't know this, but the, the video game industry is larger than the entire motion picture industry. And one of the biggest wow. revenue sources in video games is virtual goods. So people are buying a, a magical sword or a shield or uh, a my, costume. My son took some <laughs> of his money last summer after he was working, and he was like, I want to buy this sword, Dad. And I'm like, buy a sword? And you don't really have it. No, I use it in the game and you're going to pay for it. And I just could not get my arms around it. But he, he thought that was the greatest thing ever. It is how they um, feel cool, um, how they play better in a game, how they're seen by their peers who also play in that game. This is more than a hundred billion dollar business, virtual goods right now in 2021 It'll be more than $150 billion by 2025. And so when I look at a business that's that large, 
And one of the biggest problems with virtual goods in uh, video games is you can't transfer them to other places. They only exist in this kind of right. single game in this walled garden. But non-fungible tokens enable you to actually acquire these things, have something that none of your friends have. So it's unique, different. It can have different powers and capabilities. And you get to keep it. And you can actually sell it for a profit somewhere down the road. Uh-huh. Uh, I, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere right now is somebody that has a closet full of Beanie Babies that were told exactly the same thing when the Beanie Baby craze was going. It's, it's just like the art and collectibles market. You know, they have years where certain sectors are just on fire. Yeah. And they look like they're a bubble. So how do you know um, what how do you know what to buy? I mean, I guess it's like art. You buy what you like and good luck to you. Well, I think um you know, this is where kind of normal people actually have an advantage. Let's say that uh you know, you're a big NBA fan and you've been following um uh the NBA for 3 decades. You actually would have kind of this intrinsic inherent feel for the value of certain moments in NBA history uh, and, and what they might be worth and whether or not they're going to increase in value over time. Um, I can tell you that this industry, the, the NFT industry, within a few years will be worth uh, uh, more than $100 billion. This is literally a transference um, from one kind of physical object market into uh, a digital asset uh, market space. And just like I, I think uh, when I look, think about the investing world, you know, every year there are sectors that tend to be um, hotter and more exciting where technological advancement is happening more quickly. Um, and they tend to um, appreciate in value uh, faster than other sectors. So if I so wanted I, to, I see this, if, if I wanted to buy, let's say the Lou Gehrig, um, the luckiest man, luckiest man on earth, on earth. Could I buy that now or, and how would you buy it or? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> the owners of the current assets, um, uh, would, would have to basically package and productize and create, uh, a non-fungible token. Um, and by doing so, they actually create a contract of ownership. So embedded within a non-fungible token are, is all the data about what makes it rare and special as well as what we've referred to as a smart contract, which is what enables one company or person to transfer the rights of ownership to another individual. And so once that's offered up to whomever owns those rights, um, you could buy it and hold it for as long as you want it and do with it All right. what well, you want it. One, one last question. Um, I was sued for the lowercase g by Garth Brooks when I first went over to uh, CNN, okay? It's the typewriter, lowercase g, and he sued me. And um, he had sued everyone who would use the lowercase g <clears throat> in a logo, uh, claiming ownership of it. Um, you know, he took a uh, copyright, I think, out on it, and, um, and so owned it, and he fought it. And after 10 years, if you fight and win every case, and he had the money to do it, you own that letter. But you have to, as in anything, you have to defend it all the time. So if you have a famous clip, don't you have to also have a bunch of attorneys to 
make sure that people know that's the, that clip has to be removed from YouTube and everywhere else. Don't you have to fight it all the time? Um, yes, I, you know, tr- traditionally that would be true. Um, uh, the difference with, uh, with, with blockchain uh, technology, I mean, of, of course, if somebody is just simply capturing uh, a clip from, let's just say, a YouTube video or mm-hmm. an old video, that's actually different than the non-fungible token itself. Um, the non-fungible token would not just include the video clip, but uh, typically what we're seeing is there's other things that make it uh, unique, other attributes uh, to the clip that make it uh, special. And, um, you know, it's official. It's like having a, a licensed and authorized product rather than, you know, a knockup a knockoff jersey that, um, you know, you just buy off of the vendor off the street. Hmm. And so that's where rarity comes. Uh, you, you know, you're definitely right. Um, you could pursue those things. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how you could claim a letter from the alphabet. I know. I copyright. I thought for sure that it was madness, but it wasn't. And he now owns it. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for talking to us. Jeff Brown. Uh, and you can find uh, Jeff and follow Jeff uh, with his uh, website, jeffbrownletter.com or brownstoneresearch.com. Jeff, thank you. Back in just a minute with more. You bet. It is my Patriot Supply. What are your core beliefs as an American? If you're listening to this program, I would assume that one of them is uh, that you believe that you need to be self-reliant. And self-reliance is not really playing a big role in today's life anymore. Don't let the world change you. Don't ask for uh, a handout. Don't ask for uh, help. Be able to help others. Don't be a burden. And uh, don't be in the position where you have to take the deal because you're so desperate. May I recommend Patriot Mobile? Um, or My Patriot Supply. Sorry. My Patriot Supply. You go to My Patriot Supply right now uh, and uh, and get your um, get your yeah. food. One one way you can go to my uh, my Patriot Supply is by using your Patriot mobile phone, which is a great option no. uh, for for many. No, uh, you, no, yeah, no. You can't. Well, the top can't. of this copy no, says Pat, My Patriot <laughs> Supply, and the other says Patriot Mobile. Yeah, so so I, this one in particular, we love both companies. Yeah. However, Patriot Mobile is the uh, really is, is, the, is the one we're yeah. going with here. Huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so My Patriot, uh, no, not My Patriot Supply. Or my Patriot, Patriot Mobile. Mobile. It's yes. Patriot Mobile. Got it. Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad it's not confusing here no, for us. Not at all. It's got to be even worse for you. <laughs> uh, get your free premiere activation when you uh, set up the phone. You'll get a special gift with the offer code BECK. Same service, lower price, and the values you believe in. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash BECK. PatriotMobile.com slash BECK. 972 Patriot. 10 seconds. Station ID. So we have some uh, we have some uh, Andrew Cuomo news. Some more. Some what? More. Yeah, you're kidding me. No, something new is happening with Andrew Cuomo. Something well, not necessarily new, uh, but uh, he's in trouble again. Uh, he's res- <laughs> refusing to resign, even though two more women have come out 
and accused Andrew Cuomo. Just the two. Just the well, two. No, ones. Actually, it's much well, more no, than that. it's it's two new ones. So. Yeah. It's just two new ones. That's all it is, though. That's all. Yeah. You know, he, yeah. he's refusing to resign. And and now they have actually come out. One of his aides in an, in an interview off, you know, didn't give his name. But one of, an aide gave a, a on the record comment, at least, uh, that said they are outwardly trying the Governor Ralph Northam strategy. Which is to say, to just keep going and going and going, and eventually people will forget about well, it. Well, it would have worked with Bill Clinton if he just would have, you know, uh, kept going. Oh, it did. It did. Yeah, Northam is another I example mean, of this. There's <laughs> been several of them. If you just don't uh, bow down, if you just say, it's not a problem, not a problem, what are people going to do about it? And, and there's enough people that, you know, say, yeah, it's not a big deal. Uh... You know, now you have how many? Five? Yeah, they're all varying degrees, but yeah, there's... Yeah, this, these two are kind of bad. Hugged and kissed her and grabbed her waist. Another one says he took her to her his dimly lit hotel room in Los Angeles after a uh, uh, an event in 2000 and embraced her and, you know, went for it. She <laughs> said, no, he stopped. I don't know, is that harassment? This is the Glenn Beck program. Or is that acceptable? All right. Our uh, sponsor is Hustler Turf. I want to introduce you to the world's greatest riding lawnmower. It is the Hustler Turf Zero Turn Radius Lawnmower. The other mowers out there, they don't cut it. I mean, not like a Hustler. And Hustler, the Zero Turn, this is the lawnmower they invented decades ago. And they did it for industrial work, things like the sides of roads and uh, hard to get areas that, you know, have to be moved and have to be mowed in huge amounts at the time. You just um, when you were a kid, you might have seen these lawnmowers out in the middle of the, uh, the highway and thought, wow, that's cool. And then you got your push mower. Well, now you can have the same level of lawn care equipment, but made for your yard. Hustlers Zero Turn Mowers, made in America. They're fast, incredibly maneuverable, extremely durable, and you'll feel like you're, you know, mowing the yard in, I don't know, a combination of a tank and a sports car. Check them out yourself. AB Compare at your local Hustler dealer. Find one near you. HustlerTurf.com. HustlerTurf.com. And head to BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You can... Save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV now. This is the Glenn Beck program. Clarice Sillinger, uh, she is a mom just like you might be. Uh, she has kids in school or should be in school. And she has uh, started a new pack called Keeping Kids in School. Uh, she was has been just like you really upset about the school closure. She said that she had an idea that the teachers unions were involved and then something happened. And she said, I received the evidence. Clarice is with us now. Hello, Cl Clarice. Hi, Glenn. I, I heard you slip in that. Hello, Clarice. Um, but it's, a, it's a real, it's a real pleasure to be with you today. Thank you very uh, much. Yes. Uh, so I filed this right to know and got an email back from so the teachers union president. Crazy, what, right? What is the uh, right to know? Is that like a Freedom of Information Act kind of thing? That's correct. Yep, right. that's exactly what it is. All right. 
And you filed that with whom? So I filed that with my specific school district, Tapper Horsham, in the state of Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, but we have hundreds all over the state of Pennsylvania trying to prove this union strong arming. Okay. And you you wrote to them and said what? I want to know what. I want all correspondence between the superintendent and all the union officials. So correspondence, I laid it out, emails, text messages, uh, any conversation memo between, which is this union rep is Brian Moore and our superintendent. Every school has a union representative. So I encourage everyone to file these right to know. Okay. That is, I didn't even know you could do that. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, you filed it and what did you get back? What did you find? So um, I got about 70 emails back. Uh, and, and what I put in there was I want all emails between March 2020 and March 2021 that include in-person return or COVID. I, I did. I put some keywords in there and I received this email back. And it's so, so disturbing. He, the president of the teachers union notes, we are not a child care center. I fear babysitting drove parents to demand an in amount of in-person instruction. That is gut-wrenching, not just for parents, but also for teachers. He has totally disregarded the importance and how essential our teachers are. They're not babysitters. They're educators. So wait a minute. So that was in the, the memo from a union uh, boss to the teachers? This is an email from Brian Moore, uh, Teachers Union President for Hapera Horsham School District, sent directly to our superintendent, encouraging him to keep the schools closed because he was trying to open them. He says, for the record, and I can't stress this enough, I do not believe it's the correct decision to keep moving ahead with a planned return for high school students. As I pointed out Mm -hmm. yesterday, bringing those students back just to return them to remote instruction is plainly illogical. Additionally, hybrid instruction is poor and unsupported by empirical evidence for effective curricular instruction. Perhaps it has some social and emotional benefits, but it's not a better option than remote instruction. We're not a child care center, and I fear babysitting drove parents to demand an amount of in-person instruction. Uh, he says, uh, as we've said along, uh, all along the way, we need to follow the science, and I completely agree. The science is telling us we should not have students in school, and decisions are being made to appease political needs rather than doing what's best for the kids. So he's accusing this superintendent of bowing to political needs. Is That's that- correct. <laughs> yes. Are you ready for the icing on the cake? Sure. Brian Moore, president of Teachers Union, sends his daughter ever since August five days a week in-person instruction to a Catholic school. Uh, How could he do that if he finds it to be really dangerous? I would love to know that question. And I mean, I would love to know that answer. I mean, I would love to speak to him face to face at this point. Uh, You know, our children are really suffering at the greatest extent. I mean, 
really, truly, I know you know, the anxiety, the depression, the failing rates. I mean, what about the people that can't afford that option like he chose Catholic school? We're already paying so much money in school taxes. And then here he's sending his child. It's just, it's just so heartbreaking. Our kids have not been in school for a year, Glenn. I know. A year. I know. My daughter hasn't been in school for a year. My son, oh, you can so opt, you can opt in or out. And my son has opted in to go into school, but he's still a couple times a week. You know, mm-hmm. he's doing the hybrid hybrid thing. Uh, and right. and when he goes to school, it is like some sort of. I don't know, a scientific, uh, you know, boy in a bubble kind of atmosphere Mm -hmm. where everybody is behind plexiglass and you can't leave your desk and you have to eat at your desk for lunch. It's I mean, it doesn't even sound like school. That's right. It's affecting him and his uh, his depression level. And it's really not good. So what do you what is going to happen in this school district with with Brian Moore? Well, what he says, hybrid's not good, right? He says it's poor and unsupported, unsupported. So I'm pushing for full return. I mean, you're you the one that's he's the one that said it, you know, it's poor and unsupported. So I'm hoping um that they take this and open our schools five days, uh, just as they should, just as many scientists and doctors recommend for the welfare of our children. But I will also note, I do believe, and I hate to get this to even be political, but I believe that people have to show up at the polls and start really knowing their candidate of who they're voting for, for school boards. And and who's owned oh, by yeah. the union and who's not? Oh yeah, I would yep. uh, I would completely agree with you on that. Now, mm-hmm. seeing that the CDC has come out uh, and mm-hmm. said mask mandates <clears throat> and restaurant restrictions have small impact on the coronavirus cases, I would assume that would be the same for schools. And the American Pediatrics has come out and said you've got to put kids back into school. What science is he talking about that uh, suggests that the teachers have to stay home? He does refer to the Pennsylvania Department of Health. But that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I know. I mean, we, we know I mean, who was running that. He's uh, she's now right. she's now that's in the right. Biden administration. <laughs> that's right. Dr. Levin. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So OK. So. It's troubling. I mean, I just I I appreciate the time to bring light to this because our kids and just like your son and daughter need this so much. Every single child needs this. We have children that with keeping kids in school that have contacted us, their parents that are experiencing homelessness and they use school for much more than school. Right. We cannot continue this. This has to end. We have kids that are going to gun violence, drug, drugs. I mean, it. It has to end. We're giving our children no outlet. We're giving them no no road or path to succeed. So, Clarice, what about the uh, you know the the argument that as conservatives, I can't believe we're we're demanding these schools open up. There's mm-hmm. a story out today that says in in kindergarten they're going to start talking uh, about uh, sexual identification and even anal sex. Five year olds. I mean, mm-hmm. 
what are we doing? Why? I mean, isn't there part of you that says, I don't want these schools to open back up? Um, it's a great fear. But maybe we should start looking stronger at school choice. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe we should. Because I know that I know many parents that cannot afford sure. the option, you know, of private institution or whatever, whatever that is. But maybe maybe the answer is school choice. And I got to tell you, I, I've always been an advocate for public schools. I, I always have. And I thought that they were cornerstones of our community. But with the email that I shared from you with the union strong arming and then you telling me about the curriculum changes, how can we how can we allow our children to to experience this kind that that it's disturbing. It's really we, disturbing. We must look at something else. We so, must. So um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you and um, and join your your movement, you, you have yeah. keeping kids in school dot com. What will you find there? That's right. Uh, keeping kids in school dot com. We if you join our movement, we can provide you with all the information on how to uh, re- do the right to know request. We have templates that help people, you know, file them in their own district. Um, in the state of Pennsylvania, you'll see the candidates of who we're endorsing. But we can also help create other PACs. We helped uh, Oregon create a PAC. We helped New York City create a PAC um, to really start getting people out of the polls and knowing the candidates that they're voting for and understanding what platform that candidate stands for instead of just walking into the polls and voting. Mm. Well, I, I hope you get lots of calls from uh, Texas and uh, all around the country, uh, because Thank I you. think what you're doing is really important. If we are not involved at the local level, we lose everything. And right. it's uh, it's it's possibly more important for all of us to be involved in our school boards <clears throat> than even the presidential or Senate races. Keeping, I couldn't agree more. Keeping kids in school.com is the uh, address to go. Thanks, Clarice. I appreciate it. Thank you. You Thank bet. You. Bye-bye. LifeLock. Well, it's almost time for the big celebration. You know, get the champagne and the cigars and the caviar and the obligatory uh, cyanide pill because it's almost tax day. Yay! And you're going to feel so incredibly charitable and patriotic. Don't you think, Stu? When you hit tax day, don't you just feel like, man, I feel like a combination of Mother Teresa because I'm so charitable and Uncle Sam because I'm so patriotic today. And you know you're doing a lot of good and they won't just waste the money on nothing. Amen to Mm -hmm. that, brother. With uh, the tax deadline approaching, it is important to take steps to avoid being a victim of tax scams. This is uh, this year has been a uh, just a bonus year for cyber criminals and tax time is their favorite time of year. They'll do things like use your social security number to fi- file a fake return and then steal your refund, which is genius and evil. Do yourself a favor and file early, but watch for sub- suspicious activities related to your return. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft works and how it's affecting our lives. 
So you can have some peace of mind by hiring somebody to actually look for it in your case. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But to keep yours, yours, uh, you do need LifeLock identity theft protection. And you can save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com promo code back. That's LifeLock.com promo code back. Go there now, 25% off. Use the promo code back, lifelock.com. This is the Glenn Beck program. Well, somebody who's just out there trying to do good, trying to change the world, trying to flex their social justice muscles and show that they are not a part of this evil white world. And this male-dominated world is in trouble today. Yes, our friends at Burger King UK are mm. in trouble because they uh, tweeted the following. Mm -hmm. Women belong in the kitchen. These bastards. That's it? That's, that's well, the tweet. That was the tweet. That was the tweet. And shockingly, they got a lot of negative attention for well, this Well, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Women belong in the kitchen. I, mean, I thought they were trying to do a big deal about women and, and yeah, you know, social justice. Yeah, International Women's Day and all this right. other crap. Yeah. Um, well, crap. of course. Oh, I'm sorry. I just slipped out of character there <laughs> yeah. for a moment. Uh, if, <laughs> uh, so Burger King, of course. Obviously, the Burger King, Burger King UK is not saying women should just belong in the kitchen, right? Right, right. Is it, it's social media. Should you maybe detect that there's something additional here? Right. Of course, in reality, what it is, is a completely pandering uh, program they're starting um, because it says women belong in the kitchen. Follow-up tweet. If they want to, of course, yet only 20% of chefs are women. We're on a mission to change the gender ratio in the oh, restaurant industry by this. empowering female oh. employees with the opportunity to pursue a culinary career. International Women's Day hashtag. We are proud to be launching a new scholarship program which will help female Burger King employees pursue their culinary dreams. No, nope, I believe they only they. This was a make good. This was like, <laughs> oh, we're in trouble because we we said women belong in the kitchen. I don't accept that from Burger King UK. And that is funny. It's funny because you know they they're basically remember the announcement is an announcement to give money to women. That is right. actually what the announcement is right. because of their absolutely pandering view about how certain genitals should be in the kitchen uh, helping being chefs. You have to we have to have a split of each type of I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous, totally pandering attempt to uh, to win women over. And they're being trashed by everyone <laughs> on social media. Why? <laughs> Not because they care. They think it's pandering, which is a legitimate criticism oh. of this. Instead, it's because they basically should have known that no one was going to read the follow-up tweet. Yeah, Our expectations are so low that we can't believe that anyone would actually read two tweets. That's too much effort for people to actually understand the context of what they're doing. Well, it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. <laughs> I mean, I really don't have anything you know, against Burger King, but all these corporations that pander... They will come and eat you eventually. Yep. They're going to come and eat you. So, I mean, the Burger King character in particular might be like, oh, that's great. Uh, but uh, don't mean it that way. They're, they're not going to eat at your restaurant. <laughs> they, uh, they'll come and put you out of business, my friend. Good luck. 
This is the Glenn Beck Program.